0: you have the power, you're going to use it. Just ask He-Man. It is human nature, though, because it allows you to build a protective bubble around yourself. And let's face it, you all get called morons on Twitter every day, so you may as well take the positives where you can get it. But I'm Sam from What Culture. please do hit that subscribe button. And yes, this is 10 rare wrestling contract clauses you never knew. Number 10, Triple H can't look weak. Now this is an interesting one, as it is to do with the video game industry, and at the time, I was working in said video game industry. And did anybody ever tell me not to take a screenshot or video of Triple H in a weakened position in-game? No. But were some... Yes. It happened in 2008 after a private memo was leaked between WWE and then developer THQ, which was sent to the press for the upcoming SmackDown vs. Raw. It said that not only should publications not focus on blood and weapons as WWE was moving in a more PG direction, but that trips shouldn't be shown in a defenseless or vulnerable position. It was a bad move for many reasons, because I doubt anyone would have done this to begin with, but as soon as the wider community found out about it, you can just imagine the footage that found its way online and everywhere else. Triple H's digital avatar had everything done to him, including performing an entrance like one of the Divas sometimes it's best to just stay quiet. Number 9. CM Punk gets his theme song changed We all remember way back in 2011 when CM Punk took the biggest swing of his career and became a megastar. He cut the pipe bomb promo, got a lot of people interested in wrestling again, which was kind of ironic as Punk felt like he could do all of this because he was on his way out the door. His contract was expiring and as far as he was concerned, he was done. This all went so well though, WWE realised they couldn't let that happen, so whatever negotiations were going on at the time took a new turn. It put Punk in the driver's seat essentially, and while I'm sure he definitely got a bunch more cash, he also got the company to splash out some more money to secure the rights for Living Color's Cult of Personality, a theme song he had used for years prior to joining. Licensing music does not come cheap and it was a smart move by Punk, as it did make him feel like a bigger deal. For some reason, real music always does. CM Eva confirmed all of this in a tweet in 2020 when talking about the track and saying that in 2011, he gave WWE, and I quote, no choice. Can't argue with this. It was a tremendous call. Number 8. Randy Savage Gets WCW to Sign His Brother Well, that's nice, isn't it? While many remember Lanny Poffo for his run as Leaping Lanny in the 80s or the Beverly Brothers manager in the 90s where he was the genius, it's fair to say he never reached the same heights as his brother, aka the macho man Randy Savage. The pair were exceptionally close, though, so when Randy was signed to WCW in 1994, one of the conditions of his deal was that they hire Lanny too. Be still my warm and fuzzy heart." The Macho Man even had a plan for his sibling and encouraged him to bleach his hair and get a tan so that they could turn him into the modern day gorgeous George. Randy would then tell Lanny to stay in this shape until the phone rang, but it never did. That's right, WCW solely did this to please the former WWF Champion, but never actually used Lanny to do much of anything. He sat at home for four years collecting his cheque And it seems like World Championship Wrestling would have served itself a lot better by just sending a truckload of cash to Lanny's house and still allowing him to work elsewhere. Number 7. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's Favoured Nation Clause And talking about throwing around money, when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were brought into the promotion in 1996, they weren't mucking around. They knew that WCW needed them badly, so just made a bunch of demands, and as we know, got them, including the favoured nations. What does that mean? Simple. If management was going to continue to be this careless with their finances and hand over massive contracts, every time they did, nation Hall's deals as a minimum would be increased to match this. So yes, in short, no one in the promotion could ever make more money than them. Now, This type of clause is used in a lot of entertainment contracts, but it was Kevin and Scott who popularized it in wrestling. Other wrestlers heard about this too, which is why it was time to chat to the likes of Goldberg and Bret Hart about new deals. They would want a slice of this as well. Talking about shooting yourself in the foot, it would mean you'd take on a new piece of talent, and all of a sudden everybody else's money would increase. Number 6. Brock Lesnar is not full-time Brock Lesnar's deals have annoyed a lot of fans over the years, and I never really understood why. Who would turn it down? Would you like a lot of money to do something cool? No thanks. Barry on Twitter may yell at me. And yes, some controversies have come to light over the years, especially when Brock was busted by USADA for testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs after he had returned to UFC for a fight against Mark Hunt. Lesnar had arranged the deal when he was still employed under Vince McMahon leading to many individuals rightly asking, well, how did this happen? Because how had he been passing WWE wellness tests? The answer was he wasn't. Because he didn't even have to take him. The official statement from WWE read, WWE's talent wellness program does not apply to part-time performers such as Brock Lesnar, which was quite damning all things considered. Given this was 2016 though, today nobody cares. Number five, the demon has to headline. What was WCW thinking in 1999? Well, they weren't. They just did things because they had so much success and money, and they thought they could. This, for some reason, also included starting a working relationship with the band KISS. Now look, I love KISS. I will enjoy Crazy Crazy Night till the day I vanish into the abyss, but I did not need to see a character in wrestling known as the KISS Demon. I don't make the decisions, however, and we did get this with Del Torborg being given the role. He would dress like the band, and I guess pretend he was one of them... I don't know. The best part of the contract, however, was that Gene Simmons et al. told WCW this gimmick had to headline at least one pay-per-view. And of course, everybody knew that would be a terrible idea, meaning management had to do backflips to justify it legally. So at Super Bowl 2000, they had a special main event where the demon took on the wall. It was fourth on the card, but as it had been dubbed a special main event, lawyers, I suppose, decided that it counted. This was ridiculous, and so was the idea. Number four, Bruce Pritchard's podcast. The last five years or so for Bruce Pritchard have been quite remarkable. He was let go from WWE in 2008 after more than 20 years of service and hadn't been heard of much since. When his friend Conrad Thompson convinced him to do a podcast, however, it caught fire, became a success and seemingly made all involved a lot of money. It got the intention of WWE in 2019 that he was back in the game, as they brought him back in as a creative consultant, before hiring him full-time as the executive director of both Raw and SmackDown. (laughs) What a comeback that is! The issue, of course, was what would happen to the podcast. So Pritchard had it written into his new deal that he was allowed to do it, as and when his schedule allowed. The proviso was that he couldn't talk about anything current which is fair, as that would be sharing company secrets, so this is how that still exists whereas other talents had third-party projects taken away. He got in ahead of the game. Number 3. Creative Control I never understand why anybody would agree to this. It is the equivalent of letting the inmates run the asylum, but hey, it happened a lot. Even Arn Anderson has said that the term creative control is a nasty one. Essentially, it allows a wrestler to control their own destinies, as it did with Hulk Hogan when he signed with WCW. In the deal, it stated that Hogan had approval over the outcome of all wrestling matches in which he appears, wrestles and performs, with approval not to be unreasonably withheld. I would guess this is why Starcade 1997's finish got changed, into the horror show it ended up being. As we know, Bret Hart also had this written into his final WWE contract, and look how that turned out. Even though the hitman had reasonable creative control during the last 30 days with the company, Vince McMahon didn't like what he said, so he just did what he wanted anyway. Unsurprisingly, this clause has never been put into a WWE contract again, and it's likely for the best. Number two, Scott Steiner is silenced. Nobody is less afraid to say things than Scott Steiner it is almost unreal how much he will share and how much of an opinion he will give. In short, he don't give a hoot. I mean, he once said that people he doesn't like know that he doesn't like them, which is why when he left 2 a in 2012, he almost instantly tore into them online. He ragged on the company, on Eric Bischoff, on Hulk Hogan, before a lawyer called him up and told him to stop. And why? TNA had been super smart. They knew Steiner was a pressure cooker, so had it written into his deal that when he did leave, he couldn't make any disparaging comments. Scott was then told he'd have to pay monetary damages and was never allowed to mention them again. Big Papa Pump then sued them back because of course he did, and based it on the fact that he had competed against an under-the-influence Jeff Hardy, and TNA had allowed it. The lawsuit was dismissed in 2016, which is a small shame who wouldn't want to see Scott Steiner in court? Number 1. The Ultimate Warrior's Comic Book The Ultimate Warrior had a reputation of being hard to work with, with Jim Ross stating on his Grilling JR podcast that it was next to impossible. It's why he came and went from the WWF constantly, including a 20-year absence where neither wanted anything to do with the other. When they were in this on-again-off-again relationship, though, Warrior had a list of instructions that the company was going to have to follow. For starters, he only wanted to work 14 days per month and more oddly, he wanted WWF to help publish his comic book, which is truly bizarre if you've ever seen it. It focuses on something called T and treats Santa Claus in ways that we should never repeat. The deal would also give Jim Helwig the warrior trademark, and as a make nice, he said the company would get a 12% share of the comic. <laughs> Thanks. This all blew up again soon after and was a talking point as the ultimate one did take the WWF to court to try and get the rights to his name. I'll be honest with you, real extreme darkness <laughs> a lot of laughs y'all weird but you yeah you you were different and so much more listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend